I'm Robert Therrell. I'm Chase Bridges. And we both want to be screenwriters. So listen along as we find out how. Each week we'll outline a new short film. And maybe even write some of our favorites. This is Written By. So, <laughs> I was going to wait and see who how long it took for one uh, of us to speak. Uh, Welcome back to Written By, the number one podcast in the world. Right behind all the other ones. I'm Robert. I'm Chase. It's Rival Pitches Week. Rival Pitches. <laughs> That's the exact voice I used in the theme song. I just pitched it down. It sounded really good. I like the theme song a lot. You guys obviously can hear it. Welcome back to Written by Guys. Uh, rival pitches this week. We did World War II movies. Yes. We were like, we've done, we're known for doing a lot of silly comedy, yeah. haha movies, but not this week. Nope. Nope. At we're least doing. as far as mine goes. I don't know. Maybe mine you. ended up being not as ridiculous as I was planning. Okay. <laughs> and we'll get into that when we start doing the things. Okay. Sure. What, what you been up to, man? Man, I've been uh, drowning in music videos yeah. recently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, th- this will be long out by the time you're hearing it, but I'm, I'm finishing up your video that drops yes, tomorrow. Which looks amazing. Yeah, I got another one coming out, and then I got which two also looks amazing. Ready. Yeah. Because I saw the the first uh, cut of the, your other music video that you're working on. Oh, really? It wasn't sent to me, but uh, my my new employer is Shama. Okay. And so I have access to all his emails and texts and stuff. Oh, wow. And so okay. I was checking emails and I saw the cut and I was like, well, I'm going to watch it. I was wondering because I can't see how many people watch it on yeah. Vimeo. It's like, huh, did Dave send this to like... <laughs> nope, that was me. Wow. It was me because I wanted to see what you guys did. It was yeah. awesome. I'm excited to see the full thing. Nice. I mean, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Still got to finish it. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> what you've been up to? Ah, uh, my life has felt like a whirlwind for the past few weeks. Uh-huh. But like thinking about it now, I don't really know what I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, we moved the recording for this week, mm-hmm. and that was just because uh, I, I forgot I had made plans yeah. to hang out with some people, and then I was like, I felt bad on canceling them. I was like, well, maybe Robert can move stuff around, and yeah. so here we are on a Thursday night. Yeah. Where I forgot that my music video and music drops tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you did. It's like usually people are like, like weeks in advance. Like, oh man, this is my big day. Yeah, yeah. This is when I blow up. <laughs> That's how crazy my my past two weeks have been. Yeah. I got a lot happening, but I'm very excited. And when we get done here today, I have something I want to pitch you. Ooh. And I'm excited about it. Ooh, I can't wait. Yeah. But you guys probably won't hear about it for a long time, if at all. So, Rival Bull Bitches! <laughs> World War II movies. We're Heck each yeah, dude. pitching a movie. The The only constraints was that it takes place in the period of World War II. Yes. Maybe it's based on something that really happened. Maybe it's not. Yeah, that was literally literally the only rules that had to take place in World War II. Yeah. And so that could have, like, we could have done a zombie movie in World War II. We yeah. could have done a romance but I have a feeling that we probably, just because I I know how you work, and I know what I did, I have uh-huh. a feeling we have s- probably similar genre that we're okay. playing in. Okay, I can't I can't wait to see if that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your favorite World War II movie? There's so many. There's there so are. Many. Yeah, I was thinking about this. If you would say World War One, I, I would uh-huh. say 1917. See, 1917. That's my second favorite. Like war movie. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my favorite war movie, which I'm pretty sure is World War Two, is Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, that is. I actually haven't ever seen Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what I did. I've never seen Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Also, there's there's the one sequence when they're fighting on the beach that's basically just like the precursor to 1917. Like 1917 yeah. is what if that one scene was the whole movie? <laughs> you know, I, I really like war movies that are set in like Nam. Yeah. 
Like, uh, what's the one that Spike Lee just did recently with Chadwick Boseman? Oh, uh, The Five Bloods. I really like that yeah. one. I like Platoon yeah. with Willem Dafoe, Johnny Depp, and them. Yeah, I That's haven't a, seen that one. That one's a good one. I don't know. War movies are very, like, am I ready to see a bunch of gruesome dying and yeah, misery? Yeah, I don't, I'm usually not that into war movies yeah, me that either. much. It depends. Like, uh, like, 1917, like, is great, like, exploring, like, the characters of like the people like actually at the ground floor but like yeah a lot of war movies are like very flippant with like the massive death and cost of human life that the conflicts come with and like i remember like even dunkirk like it came out and i was so hyped for it right but then when it came out i was just like huh i'm not in the mood to watch war and i didn't watch it for another year War. Yeah. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Let's get to yours. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so going into the World War II movie, I really wanted to do something that was different from what we usually do. Okay. So we're usually going for comedy or like silly action or something. Right. Which I doubled down on this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I had the hardest time thinking of something and then I, I almost dipped into comedy because reading like right. the real world war ii things yeah i was like oh there was a 12 year old that fought world war ii i saw that yeah yeah and then i was thinking what if like you know you just bend bend like the reality of that and you just do home alone but in world war ii oh that is a solid i wish i would have thought of that <laughs> yeah and then i also one of my favorite fun facts about world war ii was uh the u.s government was trying to like figure out like bombs that weren't like destructive but would disorient like enemy people like a flashbang almost yeah, yeah like different variations of that and one of the one of the proposed ideas was a bomb that would release a hormone that would make all the enemy soldiers gay <laughs> so, I, yeah i remember yeah. hearing about that that's really funny so i thought i could do like chris nolan's upcoming oppa however but it's about the cape <laughs> Oh, it sounds amazing. But I, I couldn't think of enough story for that. <laughs> hey, it didn't stop me. Yeah. <laughs> you should have done it, dude. <laughs> that sounds funny. What if like we managed to do that and it came out like the same week as Chris Nolan's new movie? And we literally just leech off of all of his marketing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really funny. What now? So uh, in high school, I had to do a report. On, like, World War II, and I did it on the Battle of Iwo Jima, and so I have a bunch of this, like, random Iwo Jima knowledge just in the back of my head, so I figured I might as well use that. Yeah, capitalize on it. Yeah. So, going into this, I was thinking about, since I was having a hard time coming up with ideas, I figured I would do what every great filmmaker does and just steal from Kurosawa. Sure, yeah. I don't know if you remember, but when, uh, when Chris Freeland mm-hmm. was on the podcast, we talked about yes. how I had never seen one of his movies. I finally have. I saw a movie of his called Dreams. Okay. And I still need to watch. Yeah. I still need to watch. This movie came out. It was one of his later movies. It came out in the 90s. Mm. Martin Scorsese is actually acting in it for a little bit, and it's really fun. Oh, wow. The whole premise of the movie is it's just a bunch of shorts that are each based on reoccurring dreams that Mm -hmm. Kurosawa had. Oh, okay. One of the dreams was about a dude, Japanese dude, that had fought in the war, and he's just in front of the mouth of this cave, and he's standing there, and he sees a soldier walking out, and his face is, like, white and blue or Mm -hmm. something, and he's talking to it, and it becomes clear that, like, this dude is, like, a ghost of, like, a soldier that had died. And the dude at the mouth of the cave is a soldier that had survived the war. And then, like, a bunch of other ghosts come up. And there's, like, a whole, like, hundreds of 
these soldier ghosts all looking at this one dude mm. and he's just like riddled with the guilt that like he's the one that survived oh, and he's facing guilt. all the people yeah. yeah yeah and it was like really visually striking just this big uniform line of all these people with like this makeup on them they're looking all skeletal oh wow it's like what if you do that yeah that would... so yeah <laughs> do that for 90 minutes exactly <laughs> Yeah, and if you get angry at me, look, Quentin Tarantino did the same thing. George Lucas did the same thing. <laughs> okay, I I, I want to get... I know, I know we're doing something, but uh -huh. I have a question. Yeah. So what did George Lucas... Is Star Wars based off of one of these? A lot of Star Pretty much any like American Western borrows from Japanese samurai films. And Kurosawa was mm -hmm. like the biggest like samurai film director at the time. Okay, so Star Wars... Because... Is it still, or is it just using that template? It's a, no, that, it's a, it's a lot of, you know, it's the vague, like it's influence, but also like there are a few shots that are exact matches. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Cause like, uh -huh. I see a lot of people on Twitter be like, this is just this, this movie. This is just this movie. This is just this movie. And it's like, well, there's yeah. story structure. Like in yeah, any, yeah. like movie like uh, Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, like, those big epics, it's about a main character who's an uh -huh. orphan, Star Wars as well, who's yeah. an orphan, has a wise mentor. Like, th there's character archetypes, and there's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, when you, when you talk about people, like, borrowing from Kurosawa, it's not so much story structure, it's but it's cinematography. even, like... Yeah, the cinematography. Okay. Yeah. I need to I need to look more into that. I feel like uh, a noob for not knowing... Yeah, Kurosawa. I mean, I can't, I can't get too on a high horse because I've only seen one movie <laughs> as of like a week ago. So. I was like, whoa, man, that would have been really funny though if you came in here and you were like, hey, you wouldn't understand because you haven't <laughs> yeah. seen one of these movies. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry to interrupt your pitch. No, that's cool. So this movie, <laughs> it's about a marine that's fighting on Iwo Jima. And the hook of the movie is that every time he kills someone or sees someone die, that night their ghost haunts him. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So we start with this Marine. I'm going to call him like Jake or something. Jake. I, I don't have names for these The Marine. <laughs> yeah, but he's a... We're starting with him. He's getting ready to sail onto Iwo Jima. And he's getting assigned to a squadron. On his squadron is a good friend of his that he's made in the Marine Corps. We'll call him like Gary or something. There are a bunch of other people. And then the leader of the squadron is a Medal of Honor winner who is going back into war. He didn't have to, but he was like, nah, I can't be in Washington while other people are fighting. This dude is based on a real person, too. Oh, but, wow. Uh, yeah. So they've gotten their assignment. They're stationed on Iwo Jima. The interesting thing about Iwo Jima is it's one of it's one of the like bloodiest battles that American and Japanese fought in World War II. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there were 21,000 Japanese defending the island. Out of all of them, only 200 survived. Oh, wow. A lot of people died. And then there were 7,000 Marines that died, 25,000 casualties. And the interesting thing about Iwo Jima is like at the time everyone thought that this was a really important, crucial piece Point. of land. Yeah. Yeah. It's just this volcanic island kind of near Japan. The U.S. felt like they needed it so they could station there and bombers could land there, refuel on their way on to their, mainland Japan. Yeah. What ended up happening was not that many airplanes actually like really landed there. Like They landed there and everything and refueled, but... None of those planes like went on to do anything that really turned the tide of the war. Oh, yeah. And a lot of them ended up like the bombers that actually like hit Japan ended up landing on a nearby island or just off an aircraft carrier. Oh, or so something it really like didn't that. even matter that much. Yeah. And there is there is one retired general at the time that was recorded saying, This isn't a good idea. We don't need this piece of land. Mm. But at the time, Everyone was was obsessed with it and felt like they needed it, Man. and so it was. It's one of the strangest things because in hindsight, all these people died for nothing. Yeah, and it didn't really seem to turn the tide of the war that much. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, man, it must suck to be that one guy that uh -huh. was like, "Hey, I told you so," but but then you're kind of 
you can't really say I told you so. Because exactly. that's yeah, kind of messed up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But our main character, Jake, he's gotten assigned. They're going up on the beach and they're getting ready. Now, the thing about this battle was the Japanese didn't attack the first or the second wave. They waited for like three or four waves of soldiers to get on the beach. Mm-hmm. They were waiting to attack until everyone was like crowded and like a bunch of them had to be out in the open. There wasn't enough cover for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so Jake's there with Gary and his squadron just kind of waiting. Nothing's really happening. And so they're stationed to like go kind of up this hill. Jake's a machine gunner. So he's going to set up a machine gun there and just walking around waiting for something to happen. And then boom, like the war starts the first battle Everyone shooting, he and Gary setting up this machine gun. Of course, like all the like horrors of war going on around him, he's all disoriented. There's a Japanese soldier up in the distance that's about to shoot right at him. He shoots the machine gun and he sees point blank, he hits this dude and he dies. And that's the first time he's killed someone in this whole war. And so that's like kind of a moment for him. But they end up the war ends and it's nightfall now and he's recovering from like the shock of like killing someone he goes to sleep and we see like kind of a flashback of like him like at his hometown he's like watching like a war movie at the time because it's it, a surprising amount of people that joined the army at the time did so because they saw movies right. of actors yeah. yeah yeah like all the john wayne movies uh, there's some other actor I forget, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's ironic because all these actors were about their age, but got out of the war because, because they, they were, were making these acting. movies. Yeah. 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 But that's why he joined the war and now he's here and it wasn't what he expected. Uh, he gets woken up. It's his turn to take watch. He's standing up at night and then he's visited by this ghost and then just a bunch of like horror stuff happens like things moving where they shouldn't and then this ghost is revealed and he kind of freaks out like fleshes out more when you write the first draft but yeah really scary scene he wakes up and the squadron's like what's wrong with this dude and gary like comforts him he's like you you just had a nightmare you'll be okay we're all having a hard time out here we need to keep pressing forward so they're getting closer, closer to the mountain at the center, and they're ambushed, and they start fighting, but then uh, one or two of their squadron are picked off, and Gary sees these people mm-hmm. dead, and he he's trying to load his machine gun, but there's like sand caught in it, so he's trying mm. to clean it real quick while they're in combat. He gets it set up, and then like some sort of force like knocks it away from him or something, which is the ghost. Ah. And then he sees, he like falls down this hill. He sees two more people die. He gets his machine gun going. And then in like a big sweep, like kills like six Japanese soldiers or whatever. Another big battle that night. He volunteers to keep watch first. He doesn't want to fall asleep again. Mm-hmm. And as he's saying there, he sees the figures in the distance and now they're, there's seven of them. Oh, wow. And yeah, the more horror stuff starts to happen. And then one ghost in particular comes right up to him and we recognize him as the first person he killed mm. and we see his bangled face. He wakes up. Didn't happen. Everyone says, you gotta you gotta keep going. So, wait, no, no, no. It's still night. And so everyone's like, that, that didn't happen. You just need to go to sleep. He dreams of like a flashback of like his girlfriend back home who he says he's going to marry as soon as he comes back. Very mm-hmm. common thing for soldiers at that time. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, now they're they're hiking forward in the morning. He's talking to Gary and he's asking him if he regrets like killing any of the people and he's like, "What? Yeah. I mean, no. I mean, I don't want to, but we can't let them win or whatever." Mm-hmm. And Gary's like, "I don't know, but like I'm not sure about this anymore." But anyway, we're at the midpoint. This is a really big battle because they're ambushed. They're caught by surprise, like shooting at everyone. And then their leader, the Medal of Honor dude, like dies like right at the beginning of this battle. And it's like really sudden. Mm. He's like, oh, no. And so they're all shooting and everything. And later on in that battle, uh, his best friend Gary 
is shot right in front of him. Gary! And then right after that, as he's like trying to like shoot war soldiers, that's when like a ghost appears to him in broad daylight for the first time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was a really bloody battle, and now it's just him and one other soldier that he hasn't like really talked to at that point. The rest of the squadron is dead. And so they're like, we need to we need to find someone else soon. We need to find some other Marines. They're lost. They don't know where we are. But uh, if we find the Japanese, they'll shoot at us. Uh, if we don't find American soldiers quick, they'll think we're deserters, and they'll shoot at us. So we got to find someone. But they end up finding another squadron. Yeah, so this other squadron they join up with, they manage to find a wounded Japanese soldier at the bottom of a pit. They, like, pull him out with a rope. And they start interrogating him, and he's like, "Look, I'm a I'm a citizen of Iwo Jima. I was forced by the Japanese to fight this battle, so I'll tell you all anything. I'll tell you whatever you <laughs> want to know. This is also this is a real thing that happened. That's very <laughs> funny. Yeah. And so this squadron like kind of has some insider knowledge of where they could go attack. And then you get a moment like in the middle of the night where he's talking with all the other soldiers, and he's like." yeah our our whole squadron died except for us and it's like yeah you know I, I came from a different squadron too but you know as 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 quickly as we die we'll get replaced with someone else we're gonna win this war regardless but anyway in the middle of the night uh he's he's volunteered to keep watch then it's his turn to fall asleep and he he's trying to stay awake he's trying not to fall asleep this time mm-hmm. but uh and we're just seeing like flashbacks of like his parents back home then like a flash of a ghost flash of his friends flash of a ghost flash of his girlfriend flashes of ghosts as he's like going in and out of sleep mm-hmm. like trying to stay awake but the next morning uh they're going to ambush the japanese with their their insider intel that they have and this is supposed to be a really easy battle they're supposed to like take this really easily but then as Gary, but then as Jacob yeah, is like, like, Gary's back. Yeah. <laughs> but then as Jacob is like setting up the this machine gun where he's supposed to have a point blank, like surprise aim on all these Japanese shoulders. Like that's when like the machine gun is like taken completely out of his control. And then just like all of these ghosts of people he killed are around him, which is now like amounts to like maybe 30 or 40 people. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's fighting, like, these very real Japanese soldiers, but also, like, trying to escape all these ghost figures. And he's having a hard time taking control of his weapon. And he's, like, flubbed the whole, like, element of surprise aspect to this plan. Mm -hmm. And so now real people in his squadron are dying and they don't know what to do with him. And then, like, the kicker at the end of this battle is he sees Gary as a ghost, like, appear in front of him. Mm-hmm like right before he like passes out Mm. but anyway he wakes up and he's been sent back to base he's been declared like psychologically unable to continue there Mm. wasn't like as much like awareness of ptsd at the time but typically what would happen is they would say that like the typical soldier will last like i forget what it was like 60 to like 200 days before they would have to go back and since they were so low on men and needed to like cycle them through, they would bring you back to base. They would give you some drugs. You would sleep for like two days and Mm -hmm. then they'd like put you right back, but they put you like kind of near the back. Oh, yeah. And then you you slowly make your way back up. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what's happening to Gary. But, uh, now he's like being haunted like on the base and I think like the Kikaron is going to be the like it's the middle of night. He's like back at the base, like very far away from the front lines, but he sees like the original ghost. He sees like a line of like forty or fifty ghosts like kind of standing like a the top of the mountain like in the distance like silhouetted over the night sky and then he sees he sees the gary ghost and at that point like he needs like this haunting thing to stop like even if it's going to kill him he can't go on living like this and so he just like charges straight at the ghosts 
who were like right in the middle of like the Japanese controlled area. So it's like the middle of the night. He's running over there. Gunfire for like both sides is firing at him, but yeah. he's just like running and he manages to evade all of it. So just like 1916. Exactly. Yeah. 17. <laughs> oh, well, I say 1916 because I believe that's when the war actually started. 1916. The movie's just set in 1917. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're both wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, like, the climax of this movie is he's now, like, in the Japanese controlled area, which. The Japanese, like, built a bunch of, like, tunnels, like, in these caves in the Iwo Jima Mountain. Like, mm-hmm. that was, like, their main defense plan. And so he's in there. And then we're getting the shot that references the Kurosawa film. Okay. Where he's at, like, the mouth of the tunnel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all these people, the ghosts of the people he's killed, have, like, come up. And he's forced to, like, face, like, all the human life that he took. And then the first person he killed is like at the front of it and like as we're seeing all this similar to how we've seen the flashbacks of like his family back at home we're seeing the flashbacks of all like their families because like we've established with that one captured soldier that like not every japanese soldier is Is, like pro like the war pro hitler we're even seeing things like I don't know where this situation will be, but like with the Ukraine invasion, like there are a bunch of Russian people that are like, hey, that are like nah, we don't want to do that. Yeah. I'm sure if Trump started a war or we, Biden started yeah, a war, a lot like, of us Yo. would be like, nah, that's not me. That's not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And so like that, that's a bunch of the Japanese people that are like being put in like this death trap of a mission. They aren't yeah. going to survive. It's also a bunch of the American people, too. Right. But so he's forced to, like, confront that. And I guess, like, the thematic element is, like, the ghosts, like, do represent, like, the survivor's guilt. That, like, he is the one person that made it. But, uh, and then how it's going to end is he's at the tunnel. He's, like, trying to apologize, like, make peace with all these ghosts. Mm-hmm. He sees U.S. soldiers coming at the mouth of the tunnel. Mm. and how how the u.s soldiers would deal with that is they started using flamethrowers they just poke the flamethrower in the tunnel just blast it whole inside of the tunnel would catch on fire and so gary's like caught in that jake oh yeah jake's caught and so he's dead gary well yeah and so we think jake's dead but then we see his body. It's like very burnt, but it's still moving. Some Marines are like searching the tunnel. They're like, this one's moving. They're about to like shoot him. But he's like, wait a minute. He spots the dog tags. Like, oh, it's an American soldier. And so. <laughs> oh, oops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they managed to rescue him, take him home. And so we'd end, we'd end the movie with like a shot of him, like trying to adjust at home. But he's like going through all the PTSD and something. Mm. and like and the burn ward yep yeah that too (laughs) the full facial reconstruction oh man but you'd have the scene where he's like with his girl that he ended up married and he like wakes up the one i think he's seen he's heard shots and she's like no get back to bed and we cut to his angle and there's him and then there's like the 50 ghosts like behind him they're still haunting him wow yeah, that's the general. That's the general movie right there. Hey man, I feel like I just watched that movie. Uh, <laughs> that was really good. Okay. I feel like I like. I feel like that's a real movie. Yeah. <laughs> and later, I'm gonna someone's gonna bring up that battle or something. I'm like, oh, I saw this movie one time, uh, and I'm gonna talk about this movie. I'm like, oh wait, Robert just said that out loud once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, man. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm not winning this week. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that. No, I don't deserve it. That was really, no, no, really well, good. People, I, don't we? We win solely based on the one minute pitches, though, right? I don't know. I think it depends. Or I guess, on like, if, if people listen, if they to listen it, to the episode, yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, the one minute pitches definitely, I think, are important. But you know, I think people will listen to the whole episode. Yeah. Man, that was that was good. That was good stuff. What are you going to call it? 
I don't know, man. I'm not either. I know the title the moment I write it or I don't think about it. Man, like my last feature I wrote, I still don't have a final title for. I don't know what. The, Which one? Oh, the fridge one. I like my fridge is haunted. Yeah. I I just think for a movie like that, okay. you got to have a title that lets everybody know immediately what they're walking into. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Do you have a name for your current feature that you're writing? Or is that still something you're working on? Uh, I have two names. Yeah, you don't have to say it on here. And I'm going to decide yeah. one once I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Say, you don't have to say that all here. I was just curious. Yeah. Well, all right. So I'm, I'm going to transition from what we were just talking about into mine. Because okay. I don't really like war movies necessarily. Uh-huh. Like, you know, just like how we just said. And so yeah. for mine, I'm actually... This is a real story that happened. Mm-hmm. So this is based on... A real thing that happened during World War II. Okay. Uh, but it's not about the actual war, necessarily. Okay. So, basically, I'm just going to jump right into it, guys. Oh. Usually, I've started my pitches with, like, the opening scene, uh-huh. but I didn't this time. Okay. So, this is just kind of an overview of the whole story. Because, guys, we record these in advance, and I don't know if I've been winning or losing all these. <laughs> and so, I was like, maybe I should change it up now <laughs> and, like, see if I could switch something up. <laughs> Okay, so my film, I don't have a name for it yet, it's just, I just titled it World War II. A Japanese fighter pilot is leaving Pearl Harbor right after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. As he's leaving Pearl Harbor, his plane starts having issues. This is a a real story. Uh, It goes down on a small island in Hawaii. And it's actually the, the smallest main island of the Hawaii Islands. Uh, so the residents of the Hawaii, the Hawaiian island, they had no clue that Pearl Harbor had just been bombed because they didn't have phones, stuff like that there. Um, and so when this guy crashed his plane on the island, it's a pretty relatively small island. Everybody saw it. And so they did what like any Hawaiian uh, culture would do with a new guest. They threw him a luau and they had like a big breakfast and like they, they were partying it up with this guy. Um, and his name, uh, it was a really long name, but we're just going to call him Shig. I, uh, I think I read the story in my research. Oh, okay. I think I know what you're getting yeah, at. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Shig did not speak any English. He only spoke Japanese. So they're having this luau, this breakfast, but they didn't really have anyone that could speak Japanese except for this one guy. He's an American citizen. Uh, he was born and raised in America, moved to Hawaii, but his family members were Japanese. So he could speak Japanese. And uh, so he was able to translate. He was the only person on the island that could speak Japanese. Well, eventually, they did hear about the bombing. And they realized, oh, wait, we had, we're at war with Japan and we have this guy. So they lock him up. And the only person that they have to translate is our friend Yoshi. So they send Yoshi in to translate to try to get some information. Uh, but instead, Yoshi breaks him out of jail. With a with stolen shotguns, because in Yoshi's mind, he he was sure that Japan was gonna win the war after what just happened at Pearl Harbor and stuff. He was like, Japan's gonna win, so I'm gonna go ahead and pick the winning side, and hopefully they'll like let me you know come with them on the winning side. So uh, he uh, breaks him out of jail. Um, and then the two, uh, so basically Shig, he was talking to the, the Hawaiian government, like the local government. And he was like, Hey, you guys took all of my papers that were in my plane in the wreckage. And I need those back. Cause those are like, they had like Japanese government secrets or something like that. And he's like, I need those back. And nobody was giving them to him. So they go on this Island wide rampage. They like they got a wagon and they jacked it up with like a bunch of machine guns. They were burning down houses. They took hostages. Like they were just causing chaos. Just the two of them all over this island. Um, they got these hostages and they're like, "We're gonna kill these hostages if you don't give me my papers back from the plane." And so there's a man. His name was Ben Kanahashi and his wife Ella. They just charged them. And they busted Shig's head in, and they sliced his throat, 
and they just like mutilated this guy. And then they turned to Yoshi, who had his gun, but he was so scared of the couple that was attacking him that he just uh, he pulled the gun on himself and just ended things like that. Uh, I think it was probably the article I read made it seem like it was because he was afraid. But I think when he realized that like his ally, who was the only one that actually had connections with the Japanese government was dead. He realized Mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't have any chance of like explaining what happened here. Uh, So he he shoots himself and the, uh, the cup, the man, not the woman, sadly, the woman was just kind of like, Good job. But he got like all of these Medal of Honors and all of this stuff for stopping this island-wide hostage situation. They said by himself, but it was with his wife. Uh, And so I thought about naming the movie A Man, A Knife, and His Wife. (laughs) And that's the whole (laughs) movie. Okay. So who, wait, who, who's the main character in this? Is it the Japanese person or is it the... Yeah, uh, the way I see it is like a buddy cop movie, but it's the two Japanese guys, well, Japanese man and then the American man who spoke Japanese going on this giant rampage of this island. Like they're the main characters and it's very much like a, it's one of those situations where your protagonist is not the good guy. Your protagonist oh. is the bad guy, okay. but we're telling this story through the eyes of them, and I, I just think it's a very fascinating yeah. story, and there's a lot that you can talk about, because, like, I can't write down every little thing that they did, uh-huh. but, like, for, like, several weeks or days, they had this whole island under lockdown, just two people against everybody, <laughs> and I just think that's really hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's my movie. Oh wow! Okay. So, uh, like, how did how does <laughs> I told you I changed it up? I didn't know. If I, I know. Yeah, <laughs> that was cool. I'm wondering, like, how. Uh, so, is the majority of the movie like the rampage on the island, or is it? Yeah, I figured there would be it would it would be cutting back and forth from the A plot and the B plot. Okay. The A plot would be the two guys causing this mass panic on the island and then i think the b plot would actually be kind of like telling the story from like the hawaiian the local government's side where they're Uh trying to figure out what to do and then that leads to uh the the, i think the big uh climax of the film is when they they start taking hostages because up to that point they had just been like driving around shooting in the air they burnt down some houses they had uh they were pretty much just like causing chaos but it wasn't until they like they took hostages that it kind of became like very like yeah. serious because like they hadn't killed anybody, you oh, know. Okay. So that's like the climax of the movie. They start taking hostages. Now they're like, you know, oh, they don't have uh, phones, right? So uh, in the article I was reading, one of the guys in the local government like hopped on like a kayak. It was trying to make his way to a different island so that he could alert the government so that the government could come in. And and so, like, all that kind of stuff. So I thought the B-plot would be, like, what everyone's trying to do to stop it. And then finally, it just – this dude and his wife decide to take things in their own hands. And that's the ending. Uh, yeah, I mean <laughs> – I thought maybe I would just tell a story instead of doing what I usually do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do. I remember reading this because, mm-hmm. like, I looked up like those weird World War II facts articles, and they're all the same with the same yeah. stories. That this is yeah, one yeah, of yeah. them. And yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering who were when I initially read that story. Mm-hmm. It looked a lot like this is. This would be a great like TV episode, but like how how would yeah. you plan on like stretching it out into a movie? Because like you you mentioned like like a buddy cop type right type vibe to it. Like what what kind of relationship do those characters have? Right. Well, Who are the antagonists that are there throughout the whole film? Word word word. Yeah. I, I want to preface this by saying this is a ninety minute movie. Okay, okay. <laughs> this is not a two and a half hour movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's told through the perspective most of it through the the two bad guys. Yeah. 
so the, since they're the protagonists, technically, the antagonists would then therefore be the local government. Most importantly, the main guy that's like, I don't know if he, I don't know how it works, like mayor. Uh-huh. I they didn't get into like the the correct government official naming. Yeah. There was one guy in particular, the one that gets in the kayak to try to go alert people. He would be kind of the antagonist, even though he's the a good guy in yeah. this situation. Um, I saw. Have you ever you seen the interview, James Franco? Yes. I yeah. I kind of thought of it a lot like that, but just okay. like maybe not not as goofy. Uh huh. Where it's very much just like these two guys going around and wreaking havoc. Like the the largest chunk of the film is them riding around causing chaos. I understand that this is not the most in depth. Uh, yeah, story. It's uh, supposed to be fun. Yeah, it's not supposed to be how, like how specific. <laughs> like specifically, how did they cause chaos? Like in real life, like what what kind of things were they up to? That's the kind of thing that, like, if I was to write it, I would go into more detail for it. But like, in all the articles I read about it, it was very vague. Yeah, but for the most part, like they burnt down this one dude's house in an effort to try to. They're, they're trying to get these papers is essentially like kind of their MacGuffin yeah. to get them through the okay. plot is they're trying to get these papers back and the local government refuses to give them these papers back. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the main plot. And so it's very much, I think it could be the based on a true story because I don't think enough happened to put it into a proper story structure because uh-huh. it was very much like, give us the papers back. Yeah. No. Brrr, give us the papers back. No. All right. Burn this house yeah. down. Give us the papers back. No. He took hostages. Give us the papers back or we're going to kill these hostages. And then two of the hostages were like, nah, and then killed them. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I would want to add more. Sure. I could like, as you're saying this, I could very much picture this as like a, have you seen Hunt for the Wilder People? I have not. Oh, man. Great Taika movie. But it's about like two people who are running away from the police. And I, yeah, I, I yeah, would yeah, picture yeah. something similar to that, except yeah. for the bad guys or the yeah, exactly. Great, I want it, yeah. and it's not a like it's a comedy, but it's not like a it's not super goofy. Like you play yeah. it completely straight, but it's just exactly, I want it to be yeah. fun and b- bizarre and like uh-huh. <laughs> just weird. Yeah, that's my that's my pitch. <laughs> <laughs> you think by now I would have gotten better at this? <laughs> Well, that's that's the whole point of this. <laughs> why why we do this? But like in my head, that sounds like a fun watch. I think I think it does sound <laughs> fun. Yeah, I feel like what you really need to get at is like the the major plot point. Yeah, yeah. Or even yeah. like the relationship with the characters. Like I think it'd be great. Yeah, like as it if this is like a movie that's like based on true events, as you could add mm. in. Yeah, I'd imagine there's like some like. I really like cop that. or like city official that's like the, it's a small town and they aren't used to this action and they're completely yeah. overwhelmed. <laughs> to kind of plays the main foil. Yeah. yeah. See, here's the thing. I think this is why I struggle with the rival pitches. I'm not great at outlining. Okay. A lot of my ideas come from writing dialogue, which is yeah. why my previous pitches have usually just started with me opening with an opening scene. Sure, because that's how yeah. I, I evolve a story is by like, I let the characters almost write the story Yeah, because it's their actions that lead to the next thing, to the next thing, the next thing. And so I thought I would change it up this week and just be like, well, here's a story. Uh-huh. And that's what the movie would be about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think that's a, that's a solid like way to approach it, but also like, yeah. I guess like the previous way does like work for you because like that is yeah. that's a total like legitimate way of pitching something. Like I've heard I've seen video of like do you see that video where Jamie Foxx is like on the Breakfast Club or something and he's like pitching, pitching my his t- version? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's what that that's was what my, you usually do. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I try to do. And then I I got in my head about it uh, <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I've been winning or losing these. <laughs> and I was like, maybe I should try something different this week. And I guess I shouldn't have yeah my bad no i think it's yeah you should you should do what plays to your strengths i just say like you know also like even if you aren't like outlining something meticulously mm-hmm. you just have an idea of who the characters are yeah and then like where it's going just like where it's gonna end yeah, up. That's, that's a fair point yeah because like i know like when i when i try to like write a feature and i say that because now i'm like I'm a third of a way through this feature and I've mm-hmm. kind of stalled a bit is I always like have a hard time 
with like the big like middle segment right where it's like a bunch of things need to happen mm-hmm. you know because like i have a like a solid beginning like usually could get the first 20 pages like knocked out really quick and right. then like i know where it's going but like there's, there's that, so much the, like, yeah it's the middle it's yeah yeah it's yeah yeah, yeah i agree my my brain like i said works like a scene to scene basis yeah so i struggle with structure which i think you do well with structure which i think is why we work well together i i think so i think so yeah because you typically have a really good uh structure struct structural what's the word i'm looking for structure yeah structural uh point of view and and i i'm able to kind of get the characters to kind of lead uh dialogue wise yeah definitely yeah because i know like without fail every feature i've written i have like a detailed outline going into it but Mm -hmm. then like about around the halfway point like the characters are taking it a different direction exactly to like change things up yeah throw a lot of it out yeah which is which when it came to because i've been writing a novel as well for that one it was the complete opposite i had everything outlined I don't know what it is about screenwriting. I, I I feel like screenwriting is such a character-led thing. Yeah. I don't know. Guys, that was the two pitches. Of course, you're about to hear the one-minute pitches for each. Make sure you go on our Instagram, at WrittenByPod, and you get to vote for your favorites every week that we do uh, rival pitches, which is every other week. So every other week, every you get other to vote. Week. Uh, so make sure you're following us on Instagram. And if you want to add something to the bowl, because, of course, every other week we also pull from the bowl, all you have to do is email us at WrittenByPodcast.com at gmail.com this has been your boys yep <laughs> pokemon go to the polls everyone we'll see you next week pokemon go to the draft <laughs> oh no the slander is your <laughs> the slander. that's an anti-war song by the way here's my pitch for a world war ii movie Imagine there's a soldier, and every night after battle, he is haunted by the ghosts of every person he's killed. That's my idea for a World War II movie. We're mixing the horrors of war with an actual horror movie. This movie will have two distinct tones where during the day, this dude is fighting on Iwo Jima, one of the most notorious, bloodiest battles in all of World War II. He's fighting during the day. It's shot like a war movie. Then at night, the ghost of every person that he killed haunts him and there's all this horror action. And then it's going to climax where he is in a cave and he's staring at the faces of all the people that he saw die not just enemies but friends too and he's forced to confront the immense toll of human life that this war had and it's all a metaphor for survivor's guilt but yeah world war ii and horror combine the genres i i think it's a winner my world war ii movie is based on a true story it's about these two japanese soldiers who crash land on an island in hawaii in the middle of world war ii and they take over the island take everybody hostage they're burning down buildings they've got machine guns and they're just lighting people up it's mayhem and it's kind of a buddy comedy because you know they're buddies but uh they are bad guys they're not good people they're murdering people and then in the end this nice young couple uh, old couple end up killing them to save the whole town this is a true story you should look it up but i think my movie might be a little bit more entertaining because you know death is sad for the most part <laughs> and those are this week's pitches and now we take it to you the listener to decide which pitch was the best stay tuned to find out how to vote for your favorite pitch and hear who won the last rival pitch episode but first an update on our new short film written by written by podcast it's time for an update on our short film trouble date trouble day based, based on, on episode two of the podcast season one episode two double day yes we are currently in pre-production we are just a little over three weeks from shooting. our shoot date shooting it yeah we don't we don't have a lot of updates this time around but we do have one major one which is we have finally found an actor for Craig. Craig. Yep. Way, way more difficult than it should have been. Exactly. Yeah. But I just before recording this podcast, I had a Zoom call with him. He seems really cool. He's definitely right for the role. Awesome. He's going to fit right in. I'm really excited to meet him. Yeah. I hope it, uh, I hope it all works out. I think it will. I'm excited for it. 
um i saw the robert sent out the final uh like the rehearsal edit i'm really excited after watching that yeah it's so it's so cool watching all the previews and stuff and i'm sure it's gonna look even cooler when it's, it's the final for one real <laughs> all of the actors are there yeah 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 but yeah that that's the big news for this week we have yep. completed the cast for this role you know something trippy when i was talking to this dude apparently we were both background extras on the same film really a few years ago neither of us knew each other back then but yeah gunner willis has a music video called feel nothing Mm -hmm. there's like a scene where there's like a talent show yeah and you guys were were both we were both extras for the talent show if you watch the final video you don't see a whole lot of the people if you look at for like a real red blob (laughs) i was wearing a red shirt that's a red blob and i think our dude matthew he said he was playing a juggler but yeah we were we were both on that it was so that's really cool it's meant to be exactly comes full circle guys make sure you're following us on instagram at written by pod keep up because when this short film drops you guys were a part of the conception of the idea in literally the first that was episode two so it was literally the we dropped two episodes the first week yeah so from the very beginning of this podcast to the actual creation of the short film and i think that's super cool and that's a super cool and unique experience and that does it for this week thank you so much for listening y'all and now is the time to announce the winner of the last rival pitch episode the six-year-old's ideas episode and guys i don't think you might remember when we first put that episode out there was a perfect tie in the comments so last week on the outro i asked y'all hey can more of you vote to break this tie and y'all heard us and more of you did vote and there was still a tie and so then we took it to the instagram stories we were like hey voting closes tomorrow there's a tie can more of you please vote to break the tie and more of you did vote and guess what there is still a tie on this episode so we're calling it now Chase and I have tied on the six-year-old's ideas episode. A lot of you were fans of Money Cannon. A lot of you were fans of Skateboard Wheels. So I guess we can't call it. It's a perfect tie. But hey, now it's time for voting for this week's episode, Arrival Pitches. So we're putting an Instagram post out today, June 6th. It will have the same graphic as what you see in the podcast player for this episode. In the comments, that's where you're going to vote for which pitch you like the best. Did you like my World War II pitch? Did you like Chase's World War II pitch? Let us know in the comments. The votes will be tallied up in two weeks. And, of course, at the end of the season, whichever one of us has won the most rival pitches will get a special prize that we haven't decided yet. So, please, y'all, keep voting on that. And, again, that's on our Instagram. That's at writtenbypod on Instagram. I'm Robert. Chase is the co-host. You can follow me at Robert two underscores Isaac. Chase at Chase Bridges two underscores. We'll be back with another From the Bowl episode next week with a special guest. Hey, if y'all have any ideas that you want to go in our bowl that we draw from at the beginning of each From the Bowl episode, you can email all those story topics to writtenbypodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.